Alabama. Yeah, thank you, man. One of those ladies was your wife, weren't they? Which one? <laughs> Congratulations on y'all having a baby. I'm so proud of you, man. Hey, they're not. I'm joking. I'm messing with him. So good. Hey, uh, in two weeks, we're having Memorial Day Sunday right here at the Hills. It's going to be a blast. You do not want to miss that. One service at 10.30, and y'all are there. See, it's great. You won't have to change anything. One service at 10.30, we're going to have grills going. Uh, after the service, we're going to have, uh, what do we have, inflatables for not just the kids, the adults too, inflatables. Come on, man. So lower your deductible and be here. It's going to be a blast. Inflatables and uh, grilling and what else? Oh, snow cones for everybody. Like Oprah, you get a snow cone, you get a snow cone. Everybody gets a snow cone as well. I want to honor my wife, Chris, and I honor you, baby. You're incredible. Thank you for being the, the spiritual mom of this church. We love you. That's a smattering of applause. Let me do that again. We honor you today, Kristen, very much. Total class. You do everything with grace and class and, and compassion. Uh, We're in a a series called The Kingdom, and I want to continue on with that today. Uh, Very fitting, uh, before I I speak on it, I think it's very fitting when we talk about the kingdom. Uh, Tomorrow is the dedication of the U.S. Embassy in the city of Jerusalem. Now, let me explain why that's important. Uh, Prophecy says that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And that's been a heated debate, especially in the Middle East. Uh, But the scripture also says that Israel is going to be forever. It's not going to end. It's going to keep on rolling. So no matter how much they're surrounded, doesn't matter how many threats they have, Israel is going to keep on rolling. This is a prophecy. The Bible also says those that pray for the peace of Jerusalem, God will bless them. God will bless them. I want to encourage you to be a person that prays for the peace of Israel and Jerusalem. The reason I'm bringing this up is because one of our overseers and and the the, the gentleman in the church that wrote the check for us to plant the hills, uh, Pastor Mike Hayes is one of our overseers, uh, pastored for 40 years at Covenant Church in Dallas, Texas, multiple campuses, and then he transitioned his son now as the pastor there, and now Pastor Hayes is focusing on he lives in Washington, D.C. part of the time and really is a kingdom ambassador there for what God's doing. And he spends part of his time in Israel as well. God has given him incredible access uh, to both of those nations. And, and the other day I was talking to him and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, I'm holding in my hand a gilded invitation from the White House. I've been invited to be at the dedication of the embassy in Jerusalem. And by America moving our embassy to Jerusalem, we're saying that we believe and agree with Israel that that is the capital of Israel, that Jerusalem, all eyes are going back to Jerusalem. So this is what's powerful about this. Pastor Hayes asked if I would, if I would have our church pray for protection and, and for safety and direction. And, but here's what's incredible about this. Tomorrow, when they dedicate the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, it is exactly to the minute 70 years from when Jerusalem became the capital of Israel, Israel raised the Israeli flag and became a nation. 70 years to the minute. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think we're not living in kingdom times right now, 
It's more fitting than ever for us to be talking about the kingdom of God. How many would join me tomorrow and pray for that tomorrow? The dedication and protection and and that God will continue to bless. Amen. All right, let's dive into the message today. The kingdom, the kingdom. We have learned in this series that at salvation, God does something powerful. He transfers us from one kingdom And he places us in another kingdom and he makes us citizens of the kingdom of heaven. The old timers used to sing a song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Because they knew that their citizenship was in another kingdom. And so God doesn't just transfer us to that kingdom and leave us there. He then places us back in the kingdom that he brought us from. But now we're not just citizens, now we are ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. Or another word is a representative. The scripture says that we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we represent the culture of the kingdom of heaven in the earth. So everything that we do or say needs to be done and said as a representative of the culture of heaven. We talk about culture, we're talking about languages, we're talking about laws, and the last week I started talking about the currency of the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, come on, get ready today. Get ready today. We're talking about the currency of the kingdom. Every culture and every country has their own currency. And we found out last week that the currency of the kingdom is giving. The currency of the kingdom is given. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The currency of the kingdom of heaven that you and I are supposed to be representative of is giving. I think it's fitting that we talk about this today on Mother's Day because every mama is a giver. She starts off that way. As soon as that embryo begins to form, the mom begins to give life from blood to oxygen to nutrients and that child grows and grows. I remember Kristen would, Kristen actually loved being pregnant. She was healthy, she was happier and healthier. And some, some mamas, it's tough on them. But Kristen, she would, she would just have stayed pregnant if she could have, if I would have let that happen. But, uh, she, but, but what I found is there were days though that she would just go, I'm just so tired. I don't know why I'm so tired. I'm like, because you have another human being growing inside of you, taking away from you, eating from you, eating your food. And how many mamas would agree that doesn't end when the baby is out, right? Eating your food. Matter of fact, I'll walk in the kitchen sometimes and Kristen will be cooking and, and she's, hey, hey, supper's ready and she'll make all of her plates and we'll make all the plates and then there'll be a plate for her and I'll go, what are you going to eat? And she said, well, I snacked all along while I was cooking, but I know what happened. She wanted to make sure that all of us had enough. How many of you got a mama that's the same way and that's why you got a belly like you do, right? Mama, <laughs> baby, you need to eat some more. Come on, eat some more. The embryo grows because moms give. If you want to have a relationship that grows, you have to be a giver. How many of you want your relationships to grow and be healthy? 
14 people. So the rest of y'all just happy with the status quo, stagnation. Come on, men, that would have been your time right there. Don't be given a gift or a card if you can't raise your hand on Mother's Day. Come on, how many of you want to see your relationship grow and be healthy? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Well, giving is the key to any relationship growing. Jesus Christ is the perfect model for this, the kingdom model. God wanted a relationship with us, so what did he do? He gave. I want to talk about how he gave. I want to make a few points today. And I'm not going to preach long, so just lean in with me, okay? God gave a few ways, and I believe that there's some things that we can find in this that's going to help us. Number one, God gave what was needed. Write it down. God gave what was needed. We needed a Savior, so God gave us a Savior. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if you and I just gave what was needed? What if in every relationship we had, whether it's our relationship with a spouse or our children or a coworker or a neighbor, when we saw a need and we had the potential to meet that need, we just gave that. How many would believe that our relationships would be better and they would grow and they would thrive? But what happens is we have a consumer-based mindset where we're about what can I get? What can, what can I receive? What, what can I save and hoard? It's this consumer-based mindset and the kingdom is not about consumers, it's about contributors. We hear it a lot. People will come to our church and they, they say, yeah, we've been, we've been looking for a church for quite a while. Really? What were you looking for? Man, we were just looking for one that met our needs. I want to make sure the kids liked it. Both my kids like it. Okay, the other third kid don't really care if they liked it or not. They're coming no matter what. But I want both the kids to like it. I got to like it. And then my wife's got to like it, you know. And then, and then it needs to be close to our house. And we need to, yeah, uh-huh. How many of you would nod your head and say, that's what you've done for a while. You've been looking for that place to meet your need. We do the same thing with jobs. We do the same thing with places to live, with schools. It's all about a consumer. How can I find something that's going to meet my needs? What if we change that mindset? And when you show up to a relationship, whether it's a church or whether it's a marriage or a job, that you say, y'all don't have this area. This area right here, I don't really like what y'all have going on here. It's a void. So you know what? I think I can meet that need. What if instead of looking for places and people that met our needs, we look for ways to help meet their needs? Now, I'm not a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there, right? Amen. This is a, I'm trying to talk to us about having a kingdom mentality where the currency of the kingdom is not taking, but it's giving. And in every single one of our relationships, people need something. And most people need something else than someone else does. I have four E's that I want to hit real quick that people need. Some people need encouragement. Other people need energy. They just need us to give our energy. Some people need engagement. I don't just want you here. I want you to be engaged with me. Some people need our empathy. Now, let me ask you this. Why, if we know someone needs that, don't we just give it? Why not? And I believe it's because we feel like we got to make people pay 
for anything they get from us. If I'm going to give you some engagement, then I'm going to need you to make sure the car is washed. And if I'm going to give you some energy, then I'm going to need to make sure that the beds are made. I'm going to need to make sure that you bring me flowers. Does that make sense? And sometimes instead of just meeting the need, we try to make people pay for it. But Jesus is not that way. Jesus just gives. God just gives. But what if they don't deserve it? Is there anybody more undeserving than you and I? And yet God just gave. Didn't make us pay for it. Didn't say that he rented his son. He didn't barter with us. He said, I'm going to just give this to you. That is the kingdom currency where you and I begin to look at relationships and begin to say, what can I give? There's a great book. It's an older book. It's called His Needs, Her Needs. I would recommend it for those of you that are married or are planning on being married. His Needs, Her Needs. And the premise of the book is if you will just do what you can to meet your spouse's need, then you will not have to worry about your needs being met. Boy, isn't that different though? We're always trying to finagle and figure out how we can get our needs met, right? No, he said, the book says, if you will just focus on, now look, if you're married to a narcissist, now I don't know what we're going to talk about, okay? If you, if you, if you, if you're shacked up with a psychopath, then that's a whole other thing that we need to talk about. But if you're married to a, a normal functioning person, if, I have found that if I will focus on meeting the needs of Kristen and meeting the needs of the boys, that I'm not going to have to fight and bite and dig and scratch to try to figure out a way to get my needs met. Because that's the kingdom currency. If you give, then it comes back to you. Everybody say the word covenant. We're going to be talking about covenant more as we get into this, this thing called the kingdom. It's all through the Bible that people would meet and they would make a covenant with one another. And what you find in covenant is that it's always about, now we think that a covenant is about signing the contract or making a a blood covenant. It wasn't about the blood. It wasn't about the ink on the paper. It was about what each party promised to give to one another. So one party would say, I have a large army I'm going to provide protection for you. The other party would say, I've got a lot of fields that you're going to be able to harvest from. And as long as they gave to each other, then that covenant was strong. But as soon as there becomes a taking mentality, that's when covenants start crumbling. Covenant relationships work because both parties are giving. If you... Feel like your relationship with your spouse or your children or your coworkers or anybody that you, that you work with, that you have a, a, a good, strong relationship with. If you feel like it's starting to weaken, then you may need to amp up your kingdom currency and start giving a little bit more. Does this help anybody besides me? This is why it's hard to be unequally yoked with someone. The Bible talks about that. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And that can be in marriages, that can be in business partnerships. And the reason is because they don't comprehend the currency. They don't understand. Let me say something to you. You you will find it really hard to explain giving to a taker. 
I'm going to say that again. You will find it really hard to explain giving to someone who takes. And even when you give to them, they don't see it as giving because they're a taker. They see it as something you already owe them. You ever been around someone like that? That you give and you give and they don't thank you. They don't give you any credit for it. You know why? They don't see it. Because they have a victim mentality. And a victim mentality says, you owe this to me because you did me wrong. You see this in cultures. You see this in countries. You see this in families. You see this in people that have been hurt. And so there's this victim mentality. God cannot bless a victim mentality. Because what happens is you're a slave to that. God has an inheritance established for his children. It's hard for him to bless someone that is a slave to something that happened to them years ago. Man, help me, Jesus. And I've found that when you're dealing with someone who's a taker, it's never even. It's never going to be fair. Because they can't get it. There's this, they don't understand the kingdom currency. How many of you are surrounded by takers? Raise your hand. Whether in your work, whether in your school. Come on, raise your hand. We are. The whole world is about takers. So everybody, raise your hand. So how do we be givers in a world full of takers? How many would like me to talk about that? How can I become a giver when everybody is a taker? You know how you, how you combat it? Give. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But you got to change your mindset. Here's the change. The change is you're not taking from me because I'm giving. Chris and I went through a season several years ago before we planted the hills. We were traveling and we went through a season where it was just crazy, wasn't it? It was about six or seven engagements where we would show up and we had been promised something and whether it was a certain amount of money or they were going to do this or do that. And it was about six in a row that they just fell through. A couple of places we went, I'm talking about large churches. We went, they didn't pay us a dime, nothing. And we were, we, were, we were living on that. And we got so depressed. Like, man, are we supposed to stop ministry? What is going on? And who are these people? Can you believe Christians would not honor their word? Church people. And what we found is God was trying to teach us a lesson. And the lesson was this. I'll never forget the day when I walked off the stage and... Didn't get where we're supposed to get, and I walked right up to Kristen. I said, I feel like I have a word from the Lord. And the Lord said, instead of this being a season where people are taking from you, this is going to be a season of you giving. And it changed our mentality, our mindset, because then we weren't victims anymore. Man, we were givers. Y'all didn't pay us for that weekend? Okay, we're going to donate it to y'all. God bless you. I hope it... See how that changes the mindset? Look at what Jesus said in John 10 and 18. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. For years, I read this passage of Scripture where Jesus is kind of bowed up. He's like, look, y'all can't take this, okay? Like letting them know, you know? You ever done that with somebody? Look, you're not getting your way, okay? I'm just going to let you, I'm going to do this so you will shut up, okay? That's kind of what, I kind of read that that way. Jesus is like, I'm the son of God. You can't take this life from me. Instead, the way I read it now is Jesus saying, I want to make it very clear about this transaction. You're not stealing from me. 
I am giving it. Why is that important? Because there's no blessing when someone takes from you. But there's a blessing when you give. And the kingdom currency is, I mean, the the earthly currency is protect myself, hoard, save, collect, keep it all for me. The kingdom currency says this is not mine. And so I give. And this is why we forgive. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You're getting, getting, you're meddling when you talk about giving. You're really getting mean when you get into forgiving. Forgiving, that's what that means. Let's say that you come to my house today, all right? And let's say that we have a very expensive vase there. It's a vase if it's not expensive, but this is expensive. It's a vase. Baby, do we have a vase? I don't think we have a vase. But let's just say <laughs> that we had a vase, okay? And, and you, you're over there and you're playing with Hank and Hendrix. That's our two dogs and messing with them. And all of a sudden you bump into the vase and it falls over and breaks. And you go, oh, oh I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I'm going to write you a check for that. And I kind of snicker because <laughs> it's a vase, buddy. You just don't write a check for a vase, okay? Okay, you tracking with me? All right, okay. And here's what I say. You don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Now, When it becomes forgiveness is when I go back to the store that I bought it from and I buy another one and I replace it the same place that he broke it and I never send him an invoice for it. Forgiveness is me giving for him. Some of you have invoices that are out and they haven't been paid. And you feel like someone is indebted to you because they did you wrong or they didn't give you that. Why don't you make a decision to just give for them? Just write the check from your own emotions, from your own heart. Listen to me. That doesn't mean you've got to like them. Now, you may not hear your pastor say this wherever you go to church, but I'm going to tell you right here, okay? You don't have to go to coffee with them. You don't have to go eat with them. You don't even have to agree with them. Just write the invoice and stamp it as paid. Done. Move on with your life, and I'm going to move on with my life. Come on, somebody give me an amen on that one. Forgiveness, that's what it is. Well, I've been hurt, so have I. Anybody been hurt? Raise your hand. Anybody been hurt? And right now Jesus is like, "Mm mm-hmm, me too, got you. Right here. We've all been hurt, and yet the Bible says that he gave, and he didn't just give, he forgave. He gave for us. Aren't you glad that God gave for us? Paid the debt. So the way you deal with takers in a world full of takers is just be a giver. So, number one, give what is needed. Number two, give more than is needed. This is what Jesus did because God didn't just send us a Savior. He sent us a Son. Don't just give what is needed. That's number one. You see a need, meet the need. But don't stop there. Give more than is needed. Jesus said this. He said, if someone asks you to give you their coat, give them your shirt also. Or if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk 
two miles. Now, the Jewish audience that was listening to him would understand what he was saying because Jerusalem, Israel, was under Roman occupation and there was a Roman law that if a Roman citizen saw a Jewish citizen and they said, I like your coat, give it to me. The Jewish citizen had to take their coat off and give it to them. Or there was another law that if a Roman citizen was carrying an object and they saw a Jewish citizen, they could walk to them and say, carry this object for me. And by Roman law, that Jewish citizen had to carry it exactly one mile. And there were mile markers. And when they reached that mile, they could just drop it and go about their day and had fulfilled the law. Jesus said this. He said, when someone asks you for your coat, don't just give what is needed. Give them your shirt also. And when you get to the end of that mile, don't just say, well, I fulfilled my responsibility now. Go another mile. The kingdom currency is not about just giving. It's about giving generously, giving more than is needed. Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We learned this last week. God gives extravagantly and God gives freely. He gives more than enough and he gives with no strings attached. What if you and I approached our lives this way as givers, as extravagant givers, as givers that give with no strings attached? What if we approached our relationships with others this way? What if we approached our relationship with God this way? What can I give today, God? Because he doesn't just want to be your savior where all you're ever asking him to do is to save you from something. He wants to be your father because then it turns from being just a transaction when you need him to you stepping into an inheritance with him. And that's when real blessing begins to happen. What if you and I approached our relationship with God's house this way? Just as givers. Our relationships would grow. Our businesses grow. Our community grows, our church grows. When we have this idea that says, man, I have something, I'm going to give it away because that is the kingdom currency. One more tidbit as we close. A little Mother's Day extra. So number one, give what is needed. Number two, give more than is needed. And number three, now look at me. God wanted a family. God didn't just want a church. He didn't just want a body. God wanted a family. And so what did he do? He sowed a son. He didn't send a servant or a slave or a savior. He sowed a son. Write this down. The lessons we learn from how God gives. Sow what you want to grow. If you want to grow something, sow that. You don't plant apples and get oranges, right? No. Whatever you plant, that's what comes up. So you want more peace in your life? Sow some peace. Quit being so antagonistic. Quit picking fights. Sow some peace in the situation. Want some love? Sow some love. Want the best? How many want the best for your life? You want your best? Sow the best. You notice Jesus didn't send his seventh son. Did he? What did he send? 
his first son and his best son. He didn't go pick the run of the litter they didn't like. Here, take him. He's come a little off. Take him. Do something with him. See if you can figure out. We didn't like him anyway. Come on. <laughs> he dresses weird. I don't know. Just take him. He didn't do that. No. He got his first and his best. What if you and I would begin to think about every transaction as, is this my first and is this my best? Instead of giving her the date night at the end of the week when you're exhausted and tired and everybody else has got your energy. Instead of your kids getting a little bit of engagement you have left, instead of God getting, are you tracking with me? What if every transaction we began to look at this? Okay, is this my first? That's why a tithe is so important because it's that first fruit, that 10% that starts off from the top and says, God, I'm not giving you what I have left. I'm giving you my very first and my very best. And by doing so, you're telling him I'm trusting you with the rest of it. But what if we gave a tithe of our energy, a tithe of our time, a tithe of our love, a tithe of our engagement? Let's be givers. Let's change the culture of the area around us by being givers. How many received that word this morning? Did you receive it today? Let me pray for you. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? During the worship, during the word, if there's been a moment where God has spoken something to you, where you just go, man, okay, that's an area right there. There's some improvement right there. If, if that's you, nobody looking around, just raise your hand. Say that, yep, man, that was for me. A little, little nudge right there. Let me encourage you to do something. Act on it. Don't just write it in your notes. Act on it. And I would say don't wait until Thursday. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. For some of you, it's going to be a phone call. It's going to be a, you're going to forgive someone. You're going to ask someone to forgive you. For some of you, you know, it's going to be writing a check, buying somebody's coffee, taking them to dinner. I don't know what it is, but I want to encourage you to act on it today. What about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you a taker or are you a giver? Many times we think about God, we think about him giving to us, but I want to encourage you today to give to him. What talents do you have? What abilities do you have? What about your heart? What about that part of you that you've never given to anyone else? Today, give you an opportunity to make a commitment to give Jesus your first and your best. If that's you today, you're here today and and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, whether it's the first time for you or maybe it's it's been a while and you want to recommit. We call them fresh starts around here because that's exactly what he gives you. With no one looking around, if that's you today, if you want to be a giver and give your life to Jesus, if you'd raise your hand, just right where you are. Stretch your hand up high. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Come on. Other hands right over here. I see you, sir. Really high. Come on, hold it up there. Back there. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Let's all stand today. Stand up. Man, happy Mother's Day. Yes. Praise God. There are people in this room right now that are about to make 
an eternal transaction. They're going to give God their lives and He's going to give them His life. Isn't that great? Come on, no. Isn't that great? Oh, man. Raise your right hand. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. My heart, my mind, my soul, my hands, my feet, my dreams, they're yours. Forgive me for my sins and my selfishness. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, shout amen.